Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed Word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. dwells in us. Draw us close to you, Lord Almighty. Speak to us, Father. Freely you gave it all for us. Surrounding your life upon that cross. Great is your love for I will 
rescue the world, Lord. That is why we need you, Lord. Help us to develop the staying power, Lord. Our staying power that we might continue to live a righteous life. We might continue to abide in you, Lord Almighty, even as you abide in us, Lord. That we will stay the course. That we will starve our temptation. We will starve out backsliding, Lord. We will stay the course, Father. so that your, your death on the cross will not be in vain. The salvation we made available to you made available to us will not go unclaimed, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, somebody, are you ready for the word? Amen. Oh, come on. Are you ready for the word? Are we developing our staying power? Let's put our hands together and welcome our Reverend, Reverend Gilbert. Amen. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, thank you for shalom. Thank you for your peace because you are the Prince of Peace. Thank you that the government shall be upon his shoulder. And because of that, we place our faith in Christ that you will keep us by the power of your word. And we shall stay in the faith. We shall continue all the way until the end. Thank you for staying in power. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We thank the Lord. We are going to continue on the new series we started on backsliding. Hallelujah. Backsliding. Uh, Staying Power is the title of the book. And last week, we started by going down a list of the standards of being a Christian. Or if you like, the pedestal or the level from which a Christian can potentially fall to a lower level. Hallelujah. And we, we, we try to um, define it in multiple ways because when we say somebody has backslided, you know, there's a traditional way that people look at it. But until you look at God's standard, you may not know that you yourself, you are backslided. Hallelujah. Because... You may consider yourself that, well, I come to church regularly, I pay my tithes. Like the guy who went to the church and he was giving an offering, right? Two people came to give an offering in the treasury. And Jesus was standing there and watching. Hallelujah. The Bible says, one um, came, well, the treasury offering was a different, different day, a different time, a different thing. That's the um, widow who gave, you know, the little, the mite. And Jesus said she gave more than the other one. But that's not the one I'm talking about. I'm talking about the one that two people came to pray. And one of them bent down, did not even lift his eyes to look at God, but bent down and beat his chest and said, Oh, Lord, 
have mercy on me, a sinner. Do you get it? And then the other one came and gave a long list of his spiritual resume. Do you remember that one of the things on his spiritual resume? He said he did what? Fasted three times a week. So that was one. Every pastor will do anything to get church members who will fast three times a week. Amen. Yeah. What else did he say about himself? He gives arms to the poor. Amen. And then one of the things which I believe really pissed Jesus off was when he said, I am better than this, this, uh, how do you call it? Uh, uh, what do they call them? Tax collector over there. Because tax collectors were known as the worst sinners because they were crooks. That's right. So by, by elevating himself and making himself look better, actually, he fell down from the top all the way down on God's scale. And at the end of the day, it is not the standard or the scale you have made for yourself that matters. Hallelujah. It is how God is looking at you. That is why we went down the list of where a Christian could fall down from. Or why we need to fight for staying in power. Because if you don't know what you are trying to protect, then you are going to lose God and live anyhow. Hallelujah. So let's go do a revision. Let's go down the list. What was the first one? To abide in Christ, hallelujah. That means to remain a believer. Okay. What was that, Brother Ishmael? Yes. Number two, which one was that? To live right for Christ. And we made a distinction. You see, normally it shouldn't be a distinction, right? Abiding in Christ should automatically mean you are living right for God. Living right for Christ. But then, nowadays, Christianity has become like a... Like a... um, Almost like a social thing. Amen. See, when we were growing up, people who used to attend, um, you know, there was a season that people used to attend Orthodox churches. People used to look down on them, right? People who attend Christian fellowships, Scripture Union, and all those newer charismatic groups used to look down upon the traditional churches. There is somebody used to go to any of those churches. People didn't think that they were on fire enough. You are not ojashos enough. Hallelujah. Yeah. But then, after a while, that type of lifestyle, the charismatic churches have now become like what we used to laugh at. Amen. Yeah. Because I remember when I used to go to the Catholic church, you know, at this time, uh, on Good Friday, we used to do, go through stations of the cross. Right? And as we were doing stations of the cross, people who used to attend other um, churches, charismatic churches, as they were passing, they, they used to be laughing at us. Amen. <laughs> Look at them. I mean, Christ has suffered on the cross for us, and you people are going through stations of the cross. But over time, the charismatic churches have grown because those churches were smaller. They didn't have beautiful buildings. Used to meet in classrooms and Christian fellowships meeting in those places. And, and where, I don't know whether it was jealousy of the established church. Because the established churches had stained glass windows and tall ceilings and things like that. Yes, tiles and everything. And somehow there, is, there seems to be a curse. I don't know whether it should be that. That comfort seems to bring into the church. That once the church gets established and large, and, and, and you know, you have cushions, you have um, um, comfortable chairs, then that, that exertion of ourselves as believers, we, we tend to fall down from that standard. 
So you see, over time, the charismatic churches fell to the same feet. Whereby, you know, nowadays it's not a big deal to say, well, I, I go to Action or I go to, you know, um, you know, Angel Delight Christian Church International. Or it, it's not automatic that a person is living right for God. Amen. Because, like Bishop always says, that a lot of the politicians in Ghana, all of them belong to a charismatic church. If they are not a Muslim, they belong to a charismatic church. So who is chopping all the money? Who is doing all the corruption? Amen. So, so then, the issue of living right for God cannot be taken for granted because just because somebody says, I'm a Christian, that's not mean they are living right for God. But obviously, you know, that is the obvious way people, you can say, sometimes it is glaring that someone is not living right for God. And it's clear that they are what? Backsliding. But even that now, if you look at this scripture, it defines it a lot closer. Okay? If you look at the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.15, where it says that those, he said, Christ died for all. Therefore, those who live should no longer live unto themselves, but to, to live for the one who died for all. That one actually defines the standard at a level that most Christians are probably not meeting. Because most of us are not 100% living for Christ. Hallelujah. What then should put it put us on the on on the on the how do you call it uh, on notice that we need to examine ourselves? Second Corinthians thirteen five. Examine yourself whether ye be in the feet. Hallelujah. What is point number three? To withstand doubters, sinners, and opposers to the faith. Hallelujah. You sometimes you yourself you are okay. You are living right for God. You are abiding in Christ. But if you are not strong in your convictions, you know, you can easily begin to wind down when you meet people who oppose the faith. Hallelujah. And they can easily draw you down. Okay? And then, number four, to remain active in what? In soul winning and establishing them in Christ. Amen. So that's the one we read, First Timothy 1.15. And... You know, Paul said that Christ Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am chief. Is that not so? All right. Let's look at a few other scriptures before we continue reading the testimony of people who died in their sins. Because last week we started reading about the record that Bishop has in the book backsliding about people who died in their sins. Do you get it? We need to know about it so that it will be a warning to us. Okay. Bishop called it my last warning, my last um, argument. That there are people that we started reading. Who, who did we read about last week? Tom Payne. A man called Tom Payne. Okay. Please, I expect you to take notes. So that even if you don't know the answer, you can look at your notes and tell me. Hallelujah. So, we, let's look at this scripture. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 Colossians 1, 28 to 29. We are going to read a few more scriptures which are supposed to bring us to our toe. Paul is saying, Him we preach, that is Christ we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. At 29. To this end I also labor Striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. So go back to 28. He used a phrase. You see, when, some, when there's nothing big at stake, 
Okay? You don't use the word warning. He said, what we preach Christ, warning every man. Hallelujah. If the Christian life is just about, you know, a fuzzy, warmy feeling, and there's nothing really at stake, then you don't need to have a very stern appearance. Hallelujah. And preaching is like Halloween. It's like, it's like crying out loud, like a madman. Amen. Sometimes a preacher seems like a madman. Sometimes when I look at Bishop Dag, it's especially some of the Healing Jesus videos that we watch. Do you get it? You ask yourself, why is he bothering himself like that? <laughs> Amen. Because the other day, he said that a lot of the places they go to, they don't have public restrooms or anything like that. He said that one person is doing it, and then other people are standing there watching and guarding that nobody is coming. In the forest. Why do you have to put yourself to that? It's because of this verse. That we preach and we warn every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. This is what we are trying to do. That we want to present every man perfect in Christ. Perfect there means mature or complete. Hallelujah. So you see, it's not a question of it's not a question of just dying and going to heaven. Because that's the thing that we all know. When you go to uh, every funeral, they, you hear the expression, he's at a better place. Is that not so? The person may be at a better place, but the person themselves may not be happy. Amen. The place may be better, but the person may be there and may be, re be receiving spankings. <laughs> yeah. Like the dream that the lighthouse member had, where the angels were telling him, you attend the lighthouse and this is how you come. They didn't, it wasn't easy for him at all. Hallelujah. And you will see that you see that there's evidence in scripture that tells you that in the in the um, even in the heavenly abode there are differences. There are different places. Hallelujah. Yeah, there are different places. It's not like I mean everybody's at the same place. No. It's the same heaven, but some are going to be forever regretting that I could have been something better. Hallelujah. All right. Let's look at this other scripture. We are campaigning against backsliding. And we are putting the yardstick, the criteria, the level. And we are making sure that none of them will be uh, something we will trip over. So, this scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, and from verse 11 to 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 11 to 21. Okay. Maybe we won't read the whole passage, but here, look at look at the language that the apostle is using. Keep in mind that in Timothy, he said, we warn every man. When we hear the word warning, something huge is at stake. Amen. Here, he used the word terror. You get it. He said, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. In Timothy, he said, we warn every man. Here, he said, we persuade men. Why? Because the, the terror of the Lord. See, people have a, a, a romanticized vision and version of God, which is far from reality. That, that, you see, in my first vision of the Lord Jesus, I had a night vision of the Lord Jesus. I, I was saying to that he didn't say anything. But the reason why I knew, I knew what he was trying to say because of his mood, his face. Because, you see, in the opening chapter of my book, you will see that I recount the story where two ministers of the, ministers of the Lord were fighting. Do you get it? And the Lord Jesus appeared. And, the, and the, what's, the, what's the word? The facial expression 
the mood of his father Ako, you could see that I don't know whether you've been a kid and you are doing something bad and then your parent comes and the way they look at you, they don't have to say a thing. You can tell from the face that your next move, your next move must be a right move. Do you get it? Because that one is the precursor to spanking. The one before that, that if you don't either say the right thing or do the right thing, the next thing is that you are going to collect beatings. Do you see? So that type of faith, the terror of the Lord. Paul is saying that we know the terror of the Lord. People don't see the Lord as can be, that can be terror associated with him. Amen. That's what that's the scripture. I believe it's in Romans. It talks about, behold, the what? Goodness and the severity of the Lord. The goodness and the severity of the Lord. We need to hammer on the highest standards of God because God, God is a good God and a loving God. But within the love, right? Within the love, there is also what? There is also the need to correct us. Hallelujah. And the world has a notion of God that is far from reality. That the thing love means that God embraces anything and everything. So, you see, as Christians, we have to we have to portray to the world the right God, the true God. Because maybe, you know, the, the word God is actually just a universal word for a supreme being. But we are talking about Yahweh. We are talking about Jehovah. We are talking about Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And he has standards. So, remember this expression. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Hallelujah. Maybe we will just read that verse. We won't read the whole other way to verse 21. Now, let's look at this other scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse, verses 8 to 12. 2 Timothy 1, 8 to 12. We are making our argument against backsliding. One day, we went to... Um, Back, those were the days of daughter, you can make it. We went to a daughter, you can make it. And and um, Lady Reverend's assistant, um, what's her name? Lady Pastor Bridget Marian, hallelujah. So there was a small segment where she came to speak. And she said that she has a cabinet where she has arranged messages, right? And she, she said that she considers that cabinet like a medicine closet. And once she finds herself maybe in a certain mood or a certain feeling or behaving a certain way, she has arranged anti-mamis messages in order. You know how somebody who is on medication, right? You can arrange the medication. This one is for cholesterol. This one is for blood pressure. This one is for what else? Diabetes. This one is for uh, sweating. <laughs> Gout. It's been arranged. Do you get it? And so she, she knows that a message, when she gets discouraged and she feels like quitting, she knows this message is medicine for that. So she will pick it and then she will listen to it. Hallelujah. And then on another day, when she feels like um, quarreling with the husband, do you get it? Quarreling with, her, with the husband and not, not behaving properly in the house. There's a message. There's a message we, we heard in, I think, Atlanta which was, um, I'm trying to remember the title, but that is very appropriate for a woman who feels like quarreling with a husband <laughs> and, and, and not, and not um, you know, behaving properly in the house. Yeah, because the thing is that 
if a woman wants to do a man, eh, she can. Because a man, you are like this in the woman's hand. Like, like uh, something. She can, she can really do you bad. One day I was listening to uh, Gloria Copeland. You know Gloria Copeland. She's wife of um, Kenneth Copeland. And she was preaching. She said, I have decided to do you good. And she, she mentioned the husband's name. He said, I have decided every day and all the time to be a blessing to you. I said, I, I want my wife to hear this message. <laughs> and, and, and also say it. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that what we are, these scriptures are like what? Medicine cabinet, right? So that you self-medicate yourself. When, when you find yourself in, a, in any of these different things that you are about to backslide, you, you find a scripture and it's like you take it in and then you correct yourself quickly. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. This is Apostle Paul nearing the end of his life. Second Timothy. He's, he's, he's almost about to be executed. It is in this uh, epistle that he says that uh, I have fought the good fight. And I, I have what? Run the It is in this epistle. So he said, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Because Paul was in prison at that time. But share with me in the sufferings of what? The gospel according to the power of God. We are all to share in the sufferings of the gospel. If we don't share in the sufferings of the gospel, it's also a type of backsliding. Hallelujah. Maybe we should add it as number five. <laughs> when we get to a place where we only want Christianity to be like a what? A cushion that we, we lie on. Okay? It's like when you are, when you are in, the, in the family room, okay? In the family room uh, uh, in my house, Brother Eugene, and I'm watching my favorite show with my uh, brown, uh, what do you call it? Blanket in this winter I've used to cover myself. And I've opened the, uh, the recliner. Are you there? And, I, and I'm enjoying And then I get a call. My wife may be going to work that night. And I get a call. My phone, I left my phone down there and it's almost dead. Now, can you pick it and bring the charger is upstairs. At that moment where I'm in that comfortable zone, do you get it? That's not what you don't want to get up from under the the nice warm place and be looking for the phone and be looking for a charger. Meanwhile, the person is going to work in a few a few minutes. Do you get it? So you see, then but, but you see, marriage is not just about comfort. Amen. If you just want comfort, then you shouldn't marry. Just be single. And just um you, you don't have anyone to account to or to be responsible responsible for anything. Do you get it? So, you say, so if you are married, you have married me, then, then you should share in my sufferings. <laughs> and the suffering is that you should now leave that uh, comfortable place cushion and get up. And maybe the phone is in the laundry. She wants to do laundry. What if she left it at the laundry place? Which is even going further down. <laughs> Amen. But the thing is that it is something that comes with the territory. If you only want the good thing in the marriage, but you don't want to do any suffering, then you haven't understood your, 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 your responsibility. So he says that there is suffering for the gospel according to the power of God that we need to partake of. It's a Sunday message I'm preaching on the weekday because Sunday we are preaching about the sufferings of Christ. Let's keep going. Who has saved us? Watch this. Christ has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ before the time began. So you see, Paul is describing who we are, okay? He's describing our calling. 
that God has given us what, a holy calling. If you don't understand that it's a holy calling, then you live your life anyhow. Because you are not, you are not uh, accountable to anyone. You are not measuring yourself by any standards. But if you understand your life as a Christian, that it's a holy calling, then that, that when you are falling down, when something is tempting you to fall down, you will think twice about it. Hallelujah. Ac- not according to our works, go, go back. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. For me, to think of God choosing me before time began, that alone is enough to make me sober. Do you get it? To think of God thinking ahead through the eons of eons of eons of historical, chronological time. And God seeing that on this day and at this time, this person will hear the gospel and receive it. And therefore, I'm going to place things in their path. That will make sure that actually happens. Because God, his foreknowledge, his foreknowledge, he said those whom he foreknew, right? He, he also called. Do you get it? Those whom he called, he also glorified. So you see that that makes you special, right? It makes you special. Okay, let's, let's go. Next verse but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has, did we, did we do that verse 9? Maybe I may have jumped it. Go back and let me see. Okay. Yeah, before time began. Good. Let's go. Verse 10. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Hallelujah. Verse 11. To which I was appointed a preacher. So you see, another thing you can backslide from it. We are actually this this point actually supports the last one that we shouldn't leave the preaching of Christ, right? You see, you see that Paul, in today's day, you may say he was a philosopher. He he thought deeply about salvation. He pondered over it. He pondered over what it means for Christ to have died, and then he pondered over it over how somebody like him came to become a believer, like an armed robber who has now been uh, hired as the head of police department. Do you get it? See, see, see that? Chief, 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 chief uh, I mean, uh, an armed robber, hallelujah, has been forgiven and now has been made the head of the police department. That, that is something, uh, it's saw it as a promotion. So I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. Okay, 12. For this reason, I also suffer this. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded. You see, in order for you not to back down, or backslide, you have to be persuaded. You have to be persuaded about what you are doing. I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. He was looking forward to that day. Hallelujah. Now, when we stop teaching about that day, when we stop talking about eternity and heaven and spiritual things, that's why people backslide. Because then the church becomes a place for show. A place for parading our flesh and parading our material things. Amen. And you see, you may think it's only church members. Sometimes, even uh, among ministers, Bishop was saying sometimes, ministers of God, when they meet, maybe it's not at your level, but I shouldn't say, but he, he's in one of Bishop's books. He said that sometimes when they meet, instead of discussing the spiritual progress that the church is making, people are comparing how much uh, money they have in the bank account. Do you get it? People are comparing how, how, how much land they own. You see that we have... We have we have backslidden, we have downgraded the ministry. And God is bringing our minds back to the standard of God. Here it is. 
that he said, I am persuaded that God is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Every Christian, if your mind is on eternity, and if your mind is on the one day Christ is coming back, it's difficult to, it's difficult to, uh, to, to, to backslide and remain in your backslide. Everybody falls, even the scripture says that even a righteous man falls seven times. But then you, you get back up. Backsliding is like remaining in a state of a downgraded lower state than what you are supposed to be. That's backsliding. And we are praying for the grace of God that we will remain in this same power. That no matter the storms of life, we will remain. Hallelujah. So, testimonies of the sinners. Last week we read about Tom Payne. Okay? He was, he was uh, frightened to die, but he eventually died. He's the one who said, Oh Lord, help me. Oh God, what have I done to suffer so much? Then after that he said, But there is no God. Yet if there is a God, what will become of me in the world after? If ever the devil had an agent, I had been that one. That is Tom Payne. Amen. When an elderly woman attending him wanted to leave the room, he said, stay with me for God's sake. If you say there's no God, why are you saying for God's sake? <laughs> for God's sake, I cannot bear to be left alone, for it is hell to be left alone. The very last words of Tom Payne was, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? And with these words, he died. This is the death of the wicked. Utterly helpless and hopeless in the presence of a righteous God. We don't know. Maybe God heard him at the last prayer when he said, my God, my God, why has that forsaken me? Look at Voltaire. That's another sinner who died a sinner. Bishop said, whenever I go to Geneva, I cross over into um, Fanny Voltaire, a little French village named after noted infidel Voltaire, 1694 to 1778. That's how, how the, the, the times he lived. One night, I drove with the pastor of my church in Geneva to look at the statue of this man. I saw all of the, tri of the what, tributes that were written to his name and all of the good works he was said to have done for the community. But this man also lived and fought against Christianity. Amen. You see, one of the things you should know is that secular history, okay, secular history is a great, um, what do you call it, Fake news. Let me borrow that concept. Secular history and what the, 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 the world historians have recorded as the greatness and as what is to be loved and what is to be praised in heaven is totally different. Because when you go into the European history, those people study European history, Voltaire is highly exalted. Do you get it? He's highly respected. He's one of the one of the people of the of the new thinking of the Renaissance that, that, that they brought they brought civilization or they opened the eyes of the masses because of their writings. But then spiritually, it is one of the people who has brought death and 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 darkness into Europe. Look at look at some of his his uh, achievements. He once said, "You see, even Christ, this guy, he was not afraid. He called Christ." The wretch. He called Christ our Savior. Curse the wretch. Then he said, he boasted, in 20 years, Christianity will be no more. My single hand shall destroy the edifice it took 12 apostles to, to, to read. Do you get it? These are the people who have laid the foundation for the atheism that is so prevalent in Europe today. But shortly after Voltaire's death, the very house in which he printed his foul literature became the depot of the Geneva Bible Society. The nurse who attended Voltaire said, 
For all the wealth in Europe, I should not see another infidel die. This is the next who saw Voltaire die. Do you get it? He said for all the wealth in Europe, because of the pain that she witnessed, she, she wouldn't want an unbeliever die the way she saw Voltaire die. Okay. He was helpless and desperate on his deathbed. The physician, Torokim, who was with Voltaire at his death, said that he cried out most desperately. He said, I am abandoned by God and man. I will give you half of what I am worth if you give me six months' life. Then I shall go to hell and you will go with me. Oh, Christ. Oh, Jesus Christ. This guy is mad. He's completely insane. Amen. That's the desperation of unbelievers. Tom, Thomas Hobbes, 1588 to 1674. Okay. So they seem to be about 100 years apart was a noted English political philosopher whose most famous words, work was Leviathan. Okay. I'm looking for how, how he died. His name is Thomas Hobbes. H-O-B-B-E-S. Okay. His last words. If I had the whole world, I would give it to live one day. I am about to take a leap in the dark. That's what he said. When he's about to die, he didn't know where he was going. He said, I'm about to take a leap in the dark. Hallelujah. That's how sinners die. Okay. Thomas Cromwell. Over ambitious Cromwell lost his influence and also his head, for he was executed. He, this is his last words. The devil is ready to seduce us, and I have been seduced. <laughs> but bear me witness that I die in the Catholic faith. My friend, you cannot die in the uh, Lighthouse faith, QFC faith, Catholic faith. You must die in Christ. Amen. He said, bear me witness, I die in the Catholic faith. Notice how people want to associate with God at the last moment. Thomas Cook cried out in anguish as he was dying. He said, until this moment, I thought there was neither a God nor a devil. But now I know and I feel that there are both. He exclaimed, this is his last words. It's so sad. I am doomed to judgment by the judgment of the Almighty. Then he died. Amen. May God help us. Like the Roman Catholic used to pray to Mary. They used to say, I think it's still a prayer in the Catholic Church. Dear Holy Mary, pray for our sinners. Now and in the hour of our death. We should all pray that prayer. The Lord, have mercy on us. Now, in the hour of our death, may it never be that at the hour of your death, you will be cursing and you will be kicking. Hallelujah. One man who opposed the church, I mean, Lighthouse Church, when the church started, opposed the church, one of the chief critics of Bishop, laughing at, at Bishop, laughing at the church, one of the people who opposed even resisting opening up the meeting hall for the church. Finally, when he was dying, he called for bishop. He called for bishop. The bishop should come. Bishop should come pray for him. Amen. Bishop said he didn't know what to make of it. Whether it was a trick. Do you, do you get it? Because he didn't know whether the man was really sick or. And so he said he and uh, I think Bishop Ediadi and Bishop Saki actually was were thinking about it. Should I go or should I not? Because this guy is like a, he made himself like an enemy of the church. 
The sad story is that Bishop decided to go back. He didn't reach there. When he got there, the man was dead. And the people who were around him was talking about what he said. He said, they are coming for me. They are coming for me. He was shouting like demons are coming for him. Hallelujah. May God deliver us from such a type of death. Amen in Jesus' name. All right. Let's stand up and commit ourselves to the Lord. Asking him for his help. Because we don't have to be afraid if we just place our faith in Christ. It's so simple. That our confidence is no more in ourselves or our ability, but our confidence is in Christ. Let's take out a good offering and let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we don't need any arguments. Father, we place our faith in Christ Jesus, your son. And our assurance is in his steadfast ability to save us, even in the last moments of life. We pray in Jesus' name, committing our gifts to you, our offerings. That you will receive it and bless it and multiply it in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm.